Well, good morning, church. I don't know where else you could go and have choral music, K-Love, and Hee Haw all in the same service. I don't think there's another church in Boone County doing that. Do you? We're not any other church, are we? We're the one that God put here, and I'm grateful for that. It's good to see each and every one of you. Welcome today. If you're a visitor, we want you to feel at home. I hope you have. As we start the new year, it occurred to me that, you know, if you get to thinking about the new year, you start thinking about what's ahead, it can kind of be overwhelming, can't it? And back when I was a kid, we used to have services on Christmas or on New Year's Eve. We have them Christmas Eve, then we'd have New Year's Eve. And on New Year's Eve, we'd gather together and we would pray in the new year. Anybody ever attend one of those? They called them a watch night service, and Baptist churches used to do that years ago. But I was just sitting here thinking about the, the old coat, the new coat, and the different songs they were singing about. And, and if we get to thinking about the new year, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And I would like for us to stop right here, right now. And I would like for us to just pray and ask God's blessing upon each one of us, upon our church, as we go into this new year. Um, you know, I'm glad we can't know the future, aren't you? <laughs> I think that's a blessing. And, and so anyway, as we go forward, I want our church to go in the direction that God wants it to go. And so I just want to stop right here in this moment, right now. And I'm going to ask each one of you to, to bow with me and just to, for a few moments in a moment of silent meditation, just pray. Maybe there's something on your heart that you want to just give it to the Lord right now. And, and this will be the time to do that. I know this is a little unusual. It's not on the schedule, but I just felt led to do this. And I want you to just give whatever that is that's bothering you right now to the Lord as we pause for just a moment of prayer as we go into this part of our service. Father, we uh, just overwhelmed with your love and your blessings, and we thank you, God, that we can call upon you for prayer and, and with prayer and for the things that are in our lives that, that maybe just are overwhelming to us. And so, God, I pray for our church as we go into this new year. This is the first Sunday of the new year, and I can't think of a better way to start than talking with you. And so I ask you, God, as we approach the new year, that you, that you lead us and that you show us the direction that you want us to go. We have so many things happening, God. People are coming forward and accepting you. People are joining the church. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you the glory and the honor for everything that's happening around here. I thank you for each person in this church, God. And I pray your blessings upon each family in this church in the new year. Thank you, God, that we can call upon you with that. And we can bring our cares and our troubles to you, Father. You said if it matters to us, it matters to you. And so, God, we bring these things to you and we ask you to just be with us in, in the coming year that we seek your will. And, God, I just thank you again for every blessing that you've poured upon us. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to come together as a church family to be able to worship in this place. Thank you for your presence that we've already felt here this morning. And I pray, God, that as I go into this time of opening your word, that you would be heard and seen, Father that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us the word that you have for us, that we can be encouraged knowing that, that as the new year comes, it's an opportunity, Lord, for us to serve you and to reach out to those in this community who are lost. And Father, I ask you to bless us and give us courage to do that. Be with us now in this service in Jesus' name. And everybody together says, amen. So we're talking today about hit and reset. And I told you last week that I'm probably the most... Uh, non-technical person in the whole office and and I have my issues with that but I will tell you I was I was on vacation this week and I will tell you that I uh, I sit down with my Mac and I put all my music in iTunes yes you're not as excited as I was 
I mean, that was a big deal for me, you know? So when you, when you uh, are not a technical person, it, it's kind of fun when you, when you can reset, and you know, because when you mess up, you can hit that button and reset. And so in life, you hit reset, and, and this is what the new year is. It's an opportunity for us to reset. But along with resetting, it's also a time maybe that we can reformat. You ever think about that? I'm, you're impressed that I'm using these terms, aren't you? I want you to know that I went to Mike Stork and Kevin, and I made sure I was talking about the right things. Reformatting. I want to show you a passage of scripture today. Uh, Paul talked about looking at the things of the past and looking to the future. And I hope that you find hope in this passage of scripture today. It's in Philippians, and it's chapter 3, verse 13. And here's what it says. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who uh, offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must uh, forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together. And let the peace of Christ that comes from your hearts, for members of one body, you are called to live in peace always and be thankful. And so we see that we can look at each other and love each other and not be bringing these things up uh, of, of the past. Uh, last week, we talked about resetting. The definition is completely erasing the hard drive. That's what reformatting is. And we talked about resetting. Today, we're talking about reformatting. How many of us would like to not only reset, but reformat things in our lives? Just, you know, do away with it. Maybe some past failure in your life uh, we'd like to erase. And while we can't do away with our past, we can take our past failures and learn from them and move on. You know, there are examples of people who failed and they did great things. Did you know that? If you look at this, uh, Thomas Edison, did you know he tried 200 different elements before he found the right element to make the incandescent light bulb? And he said, don't call all of those experiments that I had failures, call it an education. I now know 199 ways that don't work. So we have things in our past. Abraham Lincoln was defeated eight times in elections. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And he went in debt and got in way over his head, failed in businesses twice. And he spent 17 years paying off his debt, yet he became a president that everybody knows his name today. Perhaps we don't realize it, but every one of us are here today. We've made mistakes at one point or another in our lives. And I know personally there's times in my lives when I failed in epic proportions. There were times that I wasn't listening to God. There was a time in my life when I looked up in the sky and saw a GP. I thought it was go pick. It was go preach. I went to Nashville instead of going to church. And you know what happened as a result of that? I went off the rails and my life got sideways. And so you're looking at an example of how God can forgive. And you know, if there was things that I could change in my life, I would, but I can't change that. But you know what I can do? I can use that to help other people today in their lives and show that God can use our past as we go forward. Now you look back at the new year and you think about the things that have happened in your lives. Things that have happened the year before and the year before. You know, it's been a lot of things that we can't explain, but God can use us to help others in those situations. You know, we talk about making over, you know, change is difficult. I, I said it last week, you know, that change is very difficult. I don't like to change either. You know, if it was up to me and what I like personally, we'd be singing Gaither songs every Sunday. Some of you like that, some of you don't. You see how that is? But see, the fact of the matter is, our music, when we do this music, what we're doing is we're reaching out to people that don't understand church language. We're reaching out to the unsaved. Yes, I know we're supposed to encourage the saints, and we do that. But we're saved. We're going to heaven. And change the things that we do in the church. We're doing those things many times to reach the lost. And as we look in church history, we see over and over and over change. Do you realize, 
This is interesting. Do you realize that there was a time in, I'm just talking about music now, I don't know how I got off on this, but it's the truth. Here's the thing. There was a time in music where they were literally going in churches and pulling the organs out of a church. <gasps> yeah, you know why? Because they didn't think they were fit to be in church music. You got to be kidding me. It's true. Change has always come hard for the church. But you know what? When we change and reach the world, as long as we're reaching people and those changes are happening in a positive way and we're doing God's will, it's a good thing. Amen. If we could change ourselves, sometimes we'd like to change. I'd like to change things about myself. You know, maybe if I, if I had a magic wand, I could, I'd like to be taller. I'd like to have a head full of hair. Yeah, I see you, Greg. I see that hand. I mean, if you could change a magic wand and change anything in your life, you know, would it be a light touch-up or would it be an extreme makeover? We all perhaps have had those feelings of if I could change something, I would change blank. You fill in the blank. As teenagers, I remember, and I grew up in the 70s, and no, this shirt did not come out of the 70s. But I mean, if you go back and look at styles... Uh, we had some of the most ridiculous styles of clothing in the 70s, did we or did we not? I mean, look at those heels. Anybody ever wear those? Look at that. Yes, kids, your mom and dad wore those kind of clothes. And so we see that change comes in every facet of our lives. We see that things happen. And, 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 and what I've learned as I approach the 60-year mark of my, of my life is that we start out wanting to fit with the latest fad. And as we grow older, we get smarter, you know? And so we try, we spend hours looking for, you know, clothes that fit and so forth. We try diets, we try this, we try... Finally, we reach an age where we just find it's easier to cover up than it is to lose it. Change is not easy. If there's anything we know about human nature, is that it's that people change slowly if we change at all. If we change at all. And it's hard to change. Romans 7, 15, Paul recognized this. He recognized that he struggled within himself about change and about things. Look at this verse. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does the wrong. And he goes down to verse 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Now watch this. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Watch what he says. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ooh. So you see how it is, he says, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But thanks be to God, we have victory, you guys, over sin today. And because of the cross, we can change. We can change things in our lives. It's difficult, but we can do it by God's grace and God's help. Change on the outside is difficult. Change on the inside seems even harder. When we think about change, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd like to be a little more patient. And I'm sure the people in the office that I work with like that a lot better too, wouldn't they? Amen, Joanne, right? How about You'd like to change maybe being critical with our tongue or about being envious of others or discontent. Or, or maybe you'd like to change because there's an, a resentment in our heart towards somebody. Or maybe there's lust that you're dealing with and you'd like to change that. Maybe you're guilty of something and you'd like to change that feeling. We all want to change something. We don't know how to do it or where to start. 
advertisers know that we like to change. I mean, just watch the commercials. I sat yesterday evening and afternoon as I was thinking about this sermon. I thought, I'm just going to watch how many commercials come on that want to talk about change. And you see it over. They appeal to us with that. I mean, we can read every book in the library on change, but it doesn't help us if we don't apply it to our lives. We know that we need to change, but just knowing about it doesn't change us. Knowledge alone will not save us. I've had people, the devil quotes the scripture. He says to even to Jesus, it's written. And Jesus wrote, quoted back. The challenge is on. We can know scripture. It's one thing to know it here, but it's another thing to have it in here. Somebody say amen. Because this is where the change happens. It starts in our hearts. Most of us change slowly if we change at all. And some of us will make lasting change under pressure as a result of personal pain. I know I have. You do something long enough and enough pain comes upon you, change will come or it'll get worse. Spiritual changes start with our heart. And God's word is filled with guidelines and principles to make our lives all that God wants us to be. You see, God's for us. God's for us. And he really wants us to be content. And I've found in my life thus far that the only thing that brings contentment in this world is a relationship with Jesus. Because we look for things to fill up our pockets, uh, you know, things that we lust after, things that we want. And then we get them and, and then we find out it's a bucket with a hole in it. Because the things of this world pass away. We are created with this God-sized hole. How many times have I said this? And until we replace that with God in our lives, we'll never be content. God's word is filled with guidelines and principles to make our lives better. And he wants to be a part of our lives. Yet we start from the idea of, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to listen to my feelings anyway. I mean, it started in the very beginning. In Isaiah chapter 55, we see, though, Isaiah says this, My ways are nothing like your ways, your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. And I found that to be true. And you have, too, if you've experienced God in your lives. I believe that. I want to talk about refreshing a start. How do we do that? Transformation is what has to happen. Transformation is what has to take place. And it starts on the inside. Transformation starts on the inside. In order to do what we have to do, number one, we have to accept responsibility of our failures and our actions. That's hard to do. It's hard to do. Proverbs 28, 13 says, You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up, and then God will show you mercy. Wow, how cool is that? That God will show his mercy to us. That God will come to us where we are, in the mess that we're in, and show us mercy. That's an exciting thing if you think about it. That's an incredible thing if you think about it. Because people don't always do that, do they? But God will show us mercy. If we've made a mistake, admit it and face up to it. Most of us love to pass the buck. Adam and Eve, it started right there in the beginning. Adam said, she made me do it. The snake made me do it. And the next thing you know, it's what we do as human beings. But the, but the Bible talks about confessing our sins. And we have to stop regretting and start repenting. Repentance comes from a Greek word. Now, you know, people don't want to hear this. Somebody was talking to me the other day and said, I told him I was a pastor. I was down home in Bowling Green this past week, and I told the guy I was a pastor. And he said, now, do you go to one of them guilt-free churches? I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, yeah, we're, we're free. God sets us free. Hallelujah. 
but that wasn't what he was talking about. But you see, in the Bible, it says that we have to repent of our sins. And repent means uh, to turn. It comes from a Greek word, and it's metaniah, which means to change your mind, change your direction, change your heart. Repentance means to change. And we must have a renewing of the mind, a reprogramming, a reformatting, if you will, a reset. And I thank God today that through Jesus we can do that. You see, patterns of sin can be broken. And I believe that we can grow spiritually. Sometimes it comes with a cost. Paul said in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The good news is, the good news version says this, let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. And the word is metamorphosis. The English word is metamorphosis. That's what it basically means. Now, those of you that are teachers, especially those of you that are science teachers, where's my biology buddies and friends? Yeah, I see you over there. Metamorphosis, this word kind of has the English thing of like a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It's a gradual change on the inside that produces a change on the outside. You think about this. When a butterfly or when a caterpillar starts, he's in a cocoon, but when he's born, he borns a fly. And as a butterfly, it has been changed to what God has always intended it to be. And true repentance does the same thing for us. Somebody say amen. Because when God changes us, we're different. Are we perfect? No. Somebody say amen to that. But we're forgiven. Change comes about when we repent. Did you see that verse in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10? It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for the kind of sorrow which lacks repentance. It results in spiritual death. There are two kinds of sorrow. Godly sadness and worldly sadness. Godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings about a change of heart and it motivates a change. There were times in my life when I was a kid that I was sorry I got caught. I wasn't sorry that I did it. And then there were other times that I was sorry that I got caught and that I did it. Especially when my father found out about it. You know, the parameters were set. But when we recognize what God has done for us in his infinite mercy and grace, and we repent of our sins, it changes the way we want to live. It changes the direction that we want to go in. Pain will cause us to change. Getting rid of those things that causes us pain it's what God wants us to do, realizing that we're broken and God wants to forgive us. We can be our own worst enemy, though. Desire must come with discipline. That's why when people come forward in our church and, and people accept Christ, if you notice, the first thing I'm doing is trying to hook them into a small group, a life group. It's important that we have community. How many of you, you know, when you come in here on Sunday morning, we know the person in front of us, we know the person behind us because we sit in the same seats every Sunday because that's what we do. We're Baptists. Right? But, but do we have somebody that holds us accountable? Do we have somebody that we share life with? Do we have somebody that's reading the Bible with us and calls you and says, man, did you read that passage of scripture today? Do we have a group that we're involved in? Because I'm going to tell you something, that's important. That's what the early church did. The early church met. And you know what they did when they got together? They praised God, shared their testimonies, and read the scripture. And they weren't worried about styles of music, Sandy. I don't know what the deal. I guess it was before we had all this, right? They weren't worried about other. They loved each other. The Bible says they knew them because they loved each other. 
Can you imagine? But it didn't take long. It didn't take long. The, you know, the thing started stirring up. But the fact of the matter is the model of the church is that we're to be together and forgive one another and recognize that God loves us. And we change together as we walk this walk. We can be our own worst enemy. It's the truth. Because the devil wants to bring up things of our past. We can hit the reset button. We can hit reformat. I know when you reformat something, it's gone forever. But when we do it in our lives, sometimes the devil comes and says, You know what? Who you think you are? I remember you. But I want to tell you something today. And I want you to get a hold of this. If you have confessed that to God, it's gone. As far as the east is from the west... Don, you're an airplane pilot. If you keep flying west, how, how far do you go? You just keep going west, don't you, brother? You keep going east, you keep going east, don't you? Yeah, there's a reason that God uses this illustration, because if you go north or south, you're going to hit a point. But if you go east or west, you're going to go forever. It's for gone. It's forgotten. Man, that's a great feeling to think about that. That if I confess my sin to God, it's gone. I can breathe out going into the new year. I can breathe out knowing that God loves me. And here's the thing. Once we've repented and experienced God's grace in our lives, we move forward. I have seen so many people in ministry, so many people in ministry that hit something, and all of a sudden, boom, they hit it, and they stay there forever. Because when we hit things, sometimes we can either get better or we can get bitter. Better or bitter. Be reformatted, and let's move on in God's grace. As we grow into the new year, is there something in your past that you're letting manipulate you? Is there something that, that's holding you back? I want to tell you, man, God doesn't want you with living with that. He wants you to move forward. I understand there's things in our lives that we do that results, and we have to deal with it because of something that we've done or something that's happened. But the fact of the matter is, as far as the repentance and the forgiveness of it, God's telling us to move on. Christ doesn't want your past controlling you. Because it's not uh, what, where you've been, but it's where you're headed. And Paul said, forgetting those things which are past, I look forward, I reach forward looking for the goal. I mean, if anybody had a past, Paul did. Paul literally stood there and watched as they stoned Stephen. They said he was probably there. Can you imagine? He was literally going out and grabbing Christians in the early church and dragging them out because they were Christian. And now he's preaching this gospel of grace. Who better would know this than a man that lived like that? Wow. Do you see the, the, the importance of this? It's important that we recognize that God wants to forgive us and that God wants us, flaws and all. He doesn't want our past controlling us. That the past doesn't have control of you anymore if we've accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And that's the beauty of the cross. If you don't believe that, look at the characters in this Bible. Read the scriptures. There's two in particular, and I'm going to spend a lot of time on one of them in particular next week, and his name is Peter. But there's two guys in this one uh, illustration that we'll talk about, Peter and Judas. Both were disciples. Both reacted to failure, both denied Christ, both were devastated by their own failure, and their responses were totally different. And maybe you're here today and you feel broken and irreparable. I want you to know one thing, that God is for you and that God loves you. God is for you. 
I read a story that, that, that kind of talks about the illustration, talks about how God is for you. I mean, it gives a good illustration, I think. Uh, it's a story about a sculptor, and his name was Agostino de Duccio, and he started work on a huge piece of flawed marble in 1464. He was a sculptor, working on this piece of marble. He was going to produce a magnificent sculpture of an Old Testament prophet. And he worked on this piece of marble for two years, and he abandoned it. And in 1476, another sculptor named Antonio Rossellino, these Italian names are kind of hard to pronounce sometimes, he started working on this piece of marble that the other one had given up. After two years, now he's going to work on this piece of marble. But after time, he abandoned it. However, from 1476 to 1501, it sat there, a 26-year-old in 1501 came forward, and his name was Michelangelo. And he was offered a large amount of money to produce something out of this piece of marble that two others had tried to, to create. As he started his work, he noticed there was a flaw at the bottom of that piece of marble. And it was, what, it was the obstacle that caused the other two sculptors to quit. This flaw in this piece of marble. He noticed that. However, he decided to take that flaw and turn it into a tree stump that would support the right leg of the prophet. Woo, come on, somebody say amen. After he did that, he spent the next four years producing the incomparable 17-foot statue of David. And it stands in a gallery in Florence, Italy. People come from all over the world to see that slab of marble that two other sculptors had abandoned. It's not just another piece of art. It's more than that. They say it's one of the greatest works of art ever. It's been said that there's no statue that's more perfect than that piece of marble that had a flaw in it that Michelangelo worked with. How did he do that? When they asked him how he did it, here's what he said. In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to uh, hew away the rough walls, hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition, reveal it to the other eyes. That, that I see. And just like Michelangelo worked on all that statue, God wants to work on you and me. Isn't that a great thought? Flaws and all, God wants to work on you and make something great out of you. Yeah, others will give up on you. Yeah, other people may let you down. Other people will say, you know, never going to happen, but I want to tell you something. God is for you today, and he's for you in 2018. And your past can be your past, and your future can be your future in God's name. There's hope in Jesus today. Just like the sculptor, we are all a work in progress. If we concentrate on our weaknesses, we lose our confidence. I know about that. And the devil is a liar. Don't you concentrate on your weaknesses. Concentrate on God's faithfulness, and you will grow in your confidence in 2018. We may not understand everything that goes on. We may not understand that happens, but you know what? He doesn't call us to understand. He calls us to trust him. He calls us to trust him, and he calls us to be faithful. And we have to program our minds to be led by the Holy Spirit. I got a phone call yesterday. 
my best friend in the whole world that I've spent 30 plus years walking life with, that prayed over me when I took the, took the side of the track, that I've prayed over him, he's in the hospital and it's pretty serious. And as I thought about that, and I thought about our life together, I was so thankful and blessed to have somebody that walked with me and has walked with me. And I'm praying for him. And we, we together always talk, we always laugh about that we're works in progress. <laughs> Some of us need more work than others, right? And he would tell me that. And I don't understand the situation that's happening with him. I can't explain it. I, I was tore up all night last night. I'm being honest with you. That's part of the reason I stood down here and prayed this morning. Because I, 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 I don't know what's the future. I don't know. I don't understand. But I want to tell you something God does. And he's faithful. And he wants us to trust him. And we are works in progress. Just like that piece of marble. John Piper said this when we talk about reprogramming our minds, being led by the Spirit. This is how the mind is renewed. This is how it's renewed. By steadfastly gazing at the glories of Christ for what they really are. This is how the mind is renewed. By steadfastly. You know what that means? That means looking pretty regularly at the glories of Christ for what they really are. You see, as we drive through construction zones, we see these signs that says, constructions, work in progress, right? And I'm so grateful when I see that sign that says, end of construction, because usually the traffic breaks loose at that point, right? The fact of the matter is, we are all under construction right now. We are all being sculpted. But we must combine our desire to follow God with the discipline. Now, Billy Graham, I love Billy Graham. When you guys talked to me about who some of my preacher, favorite preachers were, I said Billy Graham was one of them, and, and I love Billy Graham. He had a wife, and her name was Ruth, and she walked along beside of him for many years in ministry. Wonderful, wonderful lady, written some great books. The kids have written books, and, and, and she passed away a few years back. She's buried at the Graham Library down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And when you walk out there where the grave is, you look at a tombstone there, and it has her name on it, and you know what it says on that tombstone? End of construction. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> what a blessing. What a blessing. I wish I could tell you that 2018 is going to be problem free, but I, I can't do that. But I can tell you this, that God will be with you every step of the way. And God is faithful. And we have to trust him. Even if we have to reset and reformat. We can trust him. Reformatting is installing a new operating system. That's what they told me. I had to do that twice on my computer. <laughs> I don't know what I do with this thing, but anyway. It needed a new operating system at one point. And you know what? We need new operating systems too, don't we? Really, we need a new operator. And that operator is Jesus. And he wants to be a part of your life. In Christ, we have an opportunity by God's grace for a new life. Every day is, is a new day. Did you ever think about that? I mean, I don't mean to be oversimplified here, but every day is a new day. I think God created it that way because we get to start over. Kind of like when we start a new year. We're starting another year. I want to start it with Jesus. How about you? Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your blessings, and I thank you, God, that you um, speak to us. 
And I thank you, God, that you speak to us through Holy Spirit and through things in our lives. But most of all, Lord, I thank you for your word and for Jesus, the living word. And God, I pray that you just uh, have your way in this service today, that your word has gone out, not what I've said, but that Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and we would hear what it is that we need to hear from you. It's so easy to get distracted, God, from the things that are important. Help us to keep our minds and our hearts upon you today and in the coming year. Lord, remove the distractions and help us to focus on you. I pray right now if there's someone in this place that's broken, that feels they need to hit the reset button, Lord, that they would feel your presence. They would know that, that, that we can't save them, but you can. Because you love us, God. You said if we come and confess our sins, you'll forgive us. And God, I pray for the one here today that's got a heavy heart. I pray, Lord, as we are praying to you, that they'll release that to you, give that to you, and leave it there. Father, as we go into this time of commitment, I pray that you have your way. We plant, we water, we sow, but we know where the increase comes. It comes from you. So have your way, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.